Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at PCTYTalks at Paylocity.com. Okay, Corinne, thanks for jumping on with me. Wanted to circle back up with you as we had promised. We had done a podcast on the executive order, which is actually a presidential memorandum around employee social security deferral. And we really wanted to dig into the information that was just released on August 28th from Notice 2020-65. So again, thanks for joining me today. Happy to be here. So let's start with the first question. Are employers liable for deferred employee social security tax amounts? So short answer is yes. Um, Employers are required to withhold and pay the employee share of social security tax under the Internal Revenue Code. Per this presidential memorandum, the due date for those liabilities is going to be postponed. And in the notice, the IRS clarifies that those new due dates will be between January 1st of 2021 and April 30th of 2021. When are the deposits for the deferred Social Security due? So, um, so again, they're going to be between that January 1st of 2021 and uh, April 30th of 2021. But one thing to call out here is that um, the, the language in the notice says that those deposits, those uncollected amounts need to be taken from the employee ratably, which means they need to be divvied up. Um, it doesn't say more than that. It doesn't say exactly how to do that at this point. We expect that, that will come in further guidance. But the way that I'm interpreting that is that you can't just take one big lump sum. Makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of state laws regulating that anyways, as far as being able to take out lump sum payments and um, authorization for those kind of mm-hmm. deductions. Absolutely. How, how are applicable wages being defined? So um, in this notice, they're defined as any compensation paid to an employee on a pay date during the period between September 1st, so today, and ending on December 31st of this year, but only if the amount of those wages is less than $4,000 for a biweekly pay period. Now, if you're not a biweekly pay period, that would be the equivalent amount for whatever your pay period is. And one of the things that is also called out here, which um, was one of the assumptions that we had kind of had going in, was that this would be determined on a per pay period basis, meaning um, the reason I'm calling that out is because in our original recording, I believe we touched on the fact that the president had used the word generally less than $4,000. And we didn't really know what did you mean when you said generally. Um, and we had kind of been thinking about whether or not that meant there needed to be some kind of look back period um, to you know, average out your um, income over so many periods to, to make that determination. This is saying that is not the case. So it's making it as simple as possible and saying, if in this biweekly pay period, you're making less than $4,000, then you're eligible. It makes it so much easier to navigate. Yeah. <laughs> um, how should an employer go about withholding this deferred amount? 
So the way that this notice is written is a little bit vague to that point. And I touched on this just a little bit a moment earlier, but what it says is that it need, those deferred amounts need to be taken back from the employee's wages during um, that period of January 1st through April 30th, ratably. So again, meaning um, theoretically, you would want to divide them up equally. So if you have um, eight per- pay periods between um, September 1st and January 31st, uh, December 31st, based on the way your payroll calendar falls, um, you would theoretically have approximately the same number of pay periods um, between January 1st and April uh, 30th. So you would be able to kind of um, take roughly equivocal amounts um, in addition to uh, whatever taxes you already need to withhold during that time. So Corinne, I know this is not one of the questions we had talked about in advance, but as you're evaluating all these different options as an organization, how, how do you decide whether you want to offer this or not? Yeah, um, Sherry, so I think that's a that's a really good question. It's, it's an important question and one that I've been thinking through a lot over the past couple of days myself. Um, I think that this is going to have to be an individual facts and circumstances kind of analysis for each organization. And the things that I would look at are first, what segment of your workforce would actually be eligible for this? So who actually on a regular basis is making that $4,000 or less on a biweekly pay period? Um, presumably, I would think most of them wouldn't have met the Social Security wage base, but you know, if any of them have, you know, obviously carve those out. Um, and then kind of look at, you know, what are the, what is the amount of money ultimately that you might be on the hook for? So assuming worst case scenario, if all of those individuals who make less than that amount opt in and all of them leave, what does that look like? And then what does that look like realistically? So does your organization actually see a lot of turnover in that demographic or not really? Um, so I think that's something to, to be kind of mindful of is what is that dollar amount that you might be on the hook for at the end of the day? And then I also think that one of the things that I'm most interested in is what's your employee sentiment around this? Do you have employees who really want this? Um, and the, and also, do they understand that they, as it's written today, they will have to pay it back in a couple of months? So, um, you know, from my perspective, having to start paying more, you know, more or less um, double the social security come January may be really painful for a lot of people, particularly now, particularly, you know, right after the holidays. So I think there's kind of a lot to consider, um, both in, in terms of financially, what do I need to be prepared for as an organization, but also like, is this what my employees want and is it the right thing for them? And is it, um, is it more a matter of having the right educational materials in place and the right resources available to have, um, you know, kind of an educated conversation with your workforce, um, to, to really come to an understanding of, of whether or not this is the right thing for you? Okay. Makes sense. Um, and I know we're doing a short episode here, but I wanted to wrap with one question that I think, um, those listening probably have. So let's say I have an employee who actually leaves my, who, who has opted in and leaves the organization before the end of the year. Um, what happens when that employee is no longer part of the organization or the employer can't collect the full amount of those deferred taxes from the employee for some other reason? 
So that's a really that's a really great question. I think that's one of the things that um, were I the employer making this choice, I would really think long and hard about that because um, with certain industries in particular, you may have a lot of turnover during that time period. Um, the way that you know I'm looking at, it, I'm thinking, gosh, this is all said and done within eight months. That's really not that long from now. But that really depends a lot on the demographics of your workforce and what you see in your employees. Do they you know, do they come and go relatively routinely or do they not? Um, so if if you find yourself in that position where you have offered this functionality and you have employees who have opted in and have elected to defer and they're eligible so that money is, you know, not being withheld from them and then they leave, what ultimately is going to happen is that you as the employer are going to be liable for those amounts. You are going to have to make those deposits by April 30th whether or not you're able to collect it from the employer, uh, the employee. So if you're unable to collect it from the employee, this notice indicates that you could collect through other mechanisms. So um, something like uh, you may be able to send that employee to collections or something like that. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how um, reasonable it would be to expect that to be successful in the short term. So I would say, um, you know, in that in that period between January and April, you would need to, as the employer, be making arrangements to to pay back those deferred amounts um, on your own, and then you might have to collect outside of that time period if if you're not able to do it that quickly. I think um, just in wrapping it. I think you brought up a couple really important points that I, I want to make sure that our listeners got um, uh, regarding the $4,000 in the pay period, right? There's some direct guidance around that now. Um, thinking about as an employer, whether you actually want to opt in offering this to your employees. And then again, if you run into a scenario where you have opted in and you have employees who have elected to do this, um, and they leave the organization, you are still liable for those funds. Um, and you may or may not have the ability to collect those back from, from those employees when they leave. So Corinne, thanks for jumping on with me for a really quick update here. Um, again, listeners, we'll keep you posted if, if, if and when we get new guidance um, to make sure that you can stay on top of it. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Sherry.